This is the One Verse Podcast, where we liberate scripture from religion, one verse at a time. Welcome to the One Verse Podcast. I am Jeremy Myers, your teacher. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to be looking at the concept of adoption in Scripture today. Understanding this concept is going to really help you understand various passages in the Bible which talk about adoption, and to sort of help you get into the idea of why this is so important. Let me ask you, are you a child of God? Well, if you have believed in Jesus for everlasting life, then of course the answer is yes, you are a child of God. You are part of the family of God. When you believe in Jesus, you are born again, born into God's family. So with that in mind, let me ask you a second question. Have you been adopted by God? Probably, if you answered yes to that first question, that you are a child of God, then you also answered yes to that second question. Yes, of course, if you're a child of God, then you've been adopted by God. You've been adopted into his family, right? Haha. Well, the answer to that second question may not actually be yes. Did you know that while you become a child of God, born again into the family of God, freely, by God's grace, when you believe in Jesus for eternal life, there are different requirements, conditions for becoming adopted by God. And lots of people get confused by this because... Joining a family and being adopted are very, very similar in modern Western culture. So we'll be talking about what this means and how it worked in biblical times, how to understand the words, uh, the, the, the concept of adoption in Scripture, and that's going to really help you some, understand some of these tricky passages from the Bible that talk about adoption. Uh, before we do that, though, if you appreciate this podcast, or even some of my books, or online courses, or my blog, or some of the other things that I put out, and you want to support the work I do, uh, I have a new way of allowing you to do that, and that is by sending in a gift through PayPal, and you can do it right on your phone. Lots of people listen to this podcast on your phone as they're commuting to work, or walking your dog, doing the dishes, whatever it is you might be doing. And uh, so you could just reach over to your phone real quick and send in a donation to help cover the cost and expense, make sure this keeps going out to people all around the world. And you can do that by sending a text to PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-L, or 729-725. And in the text, just put two things. One, how much you want to donate. A number, you know, number 10, number 20, whatever. And then where you want PayPal to send the donation. And that is to my email donate at redeeminggod.com. All right, so uh, send the text, 729-725, two items in the text, a number of the amount you want to donate, and then my email address, donate at redeeminggod.com. If you choose to support me that way, thank you very, very much in advance. So let's talk about this concept of adoption. And it isn't super important because when we read about adoption in the Bible, we think about adoption the way it is done in our modern culture today. So typically, if there is a family that wants to adopt a child, maybe they are not able to have any of their own children, or maybe they do have some of their own children, but they want to adopt another child. My wife and I, uh, we tried to adopt a child from Guatemala. This was about 10 years ago or so. And uh, 
we got about 95% of the way through the process, uh, and then Guatemala closed down our uh, closed down adoptions, and uh, it was very very difficult for us. And um, in in many many ways, we uh, felt like we had lost a daughter. We had we had name for her. And, uh, it, it was it was very very difficult for us. So um, not not quite the same thing. I uh, as someone who has actually lost a child, who has given birth to that child. But um, in many ways, we had been praying for her and planning for her and bought clothes for her, all sorts of things, for um, well over a year, a year and a half or so, um, and, uh, and then lost her right at the very end. A very, very difficult, uh, trying situation for us at the time. Uh, anyway, um, but, but that, that is sort of how people think about adoption. Now, we already had three daughters of our own. And so we were trying to adopt a fourth daughter into our family. All right, and that's the way often people think about adoption today. And so uh, when we read in Scripture about adoption, uh, we think, oh, well, adoption then must be the same way adoption works today. You know, someone wants a child, so they go down, and several hundred years ago, they would go to an orphanage. We don't have orphanages here in the United States anymore. We go through the foster care system here in the United States, and then uh, usually the child comes to stay with you for a while, and then you adopt them that way. All right, and there's other ways as well. Now, uh, and so because of the way we adopt today, we think that adoption is the same as bringing a child into your family, all right? And so when we read about adoption in the Bible, that's what we have in mind. And so we don't see any difference between being born again into the family of God, joining the family of God, becoming a child of God— and being adopted by God. All right, we think the two are synonymous. Uh, the two mean exactly the same thing. And guess what? They don't. In my Gospel Dictionary course, uh, online course called the Gospel Dictionary, I do have an entire entry on adoption. And uh, this podcast is sort of drawn a summary of what we learn in that lesson on adoption. So if this is intriguing to you, then I invite you to take that uh, lesson there on adoption if you are part of my uh, discipleship group, the Redeeming God com discipleship group, okay? So, but let me just summarize what you would learn in that lesson. So, the word adoption basically means to place a son. The, the Greek word is huiothesia, right, in Greek. And uh, it, it's only used by Paul in the New Testament. And you to understand what Paul meant, you need to go back and understand how adoption took place in the culture and the time in which Paul was writing. Because when he was writing about adoption to the people he was writing to, you know, such as the people in Rome or Corinth or wherever, obviously they all had a certain practice of adoption in mind. And what was that practice? Well, here's how it worked. Adoption back then uh, was more about naming someone as an heir rather than bringing a child into your family. In biblical times, especially in Paul's day, they typically did not adopt orphans off the streets or out of orphanages or something like that. Right? Adoption was to take someone who might already be your child, this is very important here, and name that child as an heir. Now, why would someone do that? Okay, well, there's lots of uh, scenarios. Usually, the inheritance would go to the firstborn son of a man, right? We all know that. Firstborn inheritance. Well, sometimes there would be families where the firstborn son of the family would bring shame and dishonor upon the family. 
And so the father would say, you know what? This firstborn son of mine, he has brought such shame onto the family. I do not want him to be my heir. I do not want him to inherit the family privilege and, and, and wealth and power and position and, and job, all right? Uh, that the, the business that the family has is involved with. I want it to go to one of my other children as well. Maybe the second born son or the third or the last born son. And so what would happen is the father would go down and, and speak to the authorities. And, and I'm not quite sure how it worked, you know, fill out the paperwork or whatever at the courthouse. It's not exactly how that worked, but uh, they, he would go down and basically he would adopt one of his own children as his heir. And whoever he named as, an, as his heir essentially becomes uh, the firstborn son of the family, becomes the heir of the family fame and fortune, all right? And that's how it worked. Now, it wasn't always exactly his own son. I mean, sometimes it—well, let me, let me back up and explain this. Sometimes, you might remember, if you've read much or watched some movies from that time, uh, various— heads of household, the man, they sometimes also had mistresses, or sometimes they had children from some of the female slaves in their household. And so while these other children were technically the sons of the father, right, they were not considered to be children of the father, and especially not heirs. But occasionally, once again, the father, he might not have any of his own sons through his legal wife, you know, maybe she was barren or who knows what. Uh, there's a wide variety of circumstances that might have caused that. Or once again, maybe the father didn't really like his own sons through his own legal wife, and he preferred the son from uh, one of his mistresses or the son from one of the servants, the female servants, for whatever reason. I mean, maybe she, you know, she, maybe he loved her more than he loved his wife. There's a lot of, of variety of circumstances for why this might happen. And so once again, in this case, the father might adopt one of these other children. Now, they were his sons, but not exactly his children. They might He might adopt one of them as his heir, all right? And so legally now, this, this son of his becomes not only his child, officially, you know, in the eyes of everybody else, but also gets named as the heir to the family, fame, fortune, business, future, uh, position in society, and everything else, okay? So um, that, that is one of the ways that adoption would take place. So you see, it really has nothing whatsoever to do with becoming a child. Usually, often, adoption, <laughs> the father adopted someone who was already his child, right? Now, uh, and named him an heir. Now, there was another form of adoption as well that often took place, and this often occurred between the rich and powerful in society, in Roman culture. And uh, it's sort of like today, well, maybe not so much today, but especially in monarchies um, and uh, throughout history, and maybe a little bit today in some cultures. We don't see this a whole bunch here in the United States, but... Um, or in modern Western culture, but it's, it used to be more common. Anyway, what would happen is you'd have these two rich, wealthy families. You know, maybe they were royalty, maybe they were business families or something like that. Anyway, these two families would want to join forces, would want to unite together with a common purpose, common goal. And you know, you've seen movies, read books, heard about this. What would happen? Uh, well, typically in Western culture, you know, relatively modern, uh, in the last, uh, you know, 1,500 years or so, what might happen is if one family has a son 
and another family has a daughter, they might unite the two families together through marriage, right? The father, the, the, the son of one family would marry the daughter of the other family, and now the two families are united when, when, those, when they get married. Right? So uh, that's one way, and even in Roman culture, they sometimes did that as well. But there was another way to unite families in, mer- in unity with a common goal and purpose, other than marriage, and that was through adoption. Typically, if two powerful, rich families, if, they had, if each family had a son, then what they could do is they could each adopt the son of the other family. And in that way, the the son would literally go over and become sort of like the heir, named as the heir of that other family, right? And then the other family would give their son to the first family. So, you know, if uh, one family had had George and another had Jim, well, George would go over to Jim's family and Jim would go over to George's family. Both gets named as the heir of the new family. And of course, now that your son is living in the other person's household, there's an incentive for you to make sure that your business ties stay intact, that there is peace that remains between your family and so on, because they've got your blood son and you have theirs, right? And you know that if you get them angry or stab them in the back, well, they're probably going to kill your son and you just don't want that. And besides that, they're now... Uh, this this other person's son is now named your heir. You want to treat them well because your future is in their hands. They're going to get the business, the family f- fame and fortune when you die. Okay, so the point is, just like marriage is sometimes used to unite families together, adoption was also used in a similar way to unite families together in ancient times. Now, there are some famous examples of Roman adoption just like this. For example, Julius Caesar. Have you heard of Julius Caesar? Of course you have. He named his grand nephew Octavian to be his heir, uh, who, who became Caesar Augustus, which of course we read about in the New Testament. All right. So uh, Caesar Augustus or Octavian was not Julius Caesar's actual son. Now some believe that Julius Caesar might have already had a son uh, named Caesarian, who was the biological son with Cleopatra. But, uh, you know, it was never named Caesar's heir for a wide variety of reasons. Anyway, the point is, Octavian already had parents, all right? Uh, But Julius Caesar needed an heir, and so to sort of solidify his political relationship with uh, Octavian's parents, he adopted, Julius Caesar adopted Octavian, his his grand-nephew, as his own son, named him as his own heir, and then after, you know, this war and a bunch of other things, uh, Octavian became Caesar and uh, also became Caesar Augustus, all right? So that was sort of the way adoption worked back back then. And by the way, this form of adoption was quite common. Uh, Tiberius, Caligula, Nero, Trajan, Hadrian, Antonius, uh, Marcus Aurelius, okay? All of these became emperor uh, through adoption. So with all of this background in mind, what does this mean for understanding biblical text? Well, let me just give you one example. In Romans 8, for example, starting, say, in verse 15, 
Paul writes, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, okay, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. All right, so, you know, we read this and we think, oh, well, look at this. We have been adopted into God's family by the Holy Spirit uh, so that we can call God Father, Abba. And the Spirit tells us that we are children of God. Wonderful. All right, but look at this. Verse 17, Romans 8, 17. And if children, then heirs. Oh, okay, what's this about heirs? Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. Oh, that sounds good. We receive the inheritance just like Jesus does. And uh, we're heirs of God. We receive the inheritance of God. Imagine what that must be. Now notice this right at the end of verse 17. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. So, if you think that adoption is the same thing as being a child of God, now obviously they are connected, they are very similar, but if you think they are identical, if one is just a synonym for the other, then what is Paul saying there at the end of Romans 8.17? He's saying that we become adopted if we suffer with Jesus Christ. In other words, you will not get adopted as an heir of God unless you suffer like Jesus suffered. Jesus suffered, and so he received the inheritance of God. Now, um, boy, that gets into a whole other topic there. What if he hadn't suffered? Wasn't he already an heir? All these sorts of things. But uh, Paul is teaching here that we can receive a similar inheritance that Jesus received, but we're going to have to go the same route Jesus went, which is through suffering. Now, once again, if you think that adoption as an heir of God is the same as being born again into the family of God, then what you have just learned from Paul is that, well, you have to go through suffering. And so there's lots of people who get adoption and being born again confused, and they say, see, see, you can't just receive eternal life. You can't just be born again by believing in Jesus for it. You've got to suffer as a martyr. You've got to go through persecution and trial. You have to suffer like Jesus suffered. Only then can you become a child of God. And what does that mean? That means, if that's right, that now eternal life is not by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone, but also by suffering with Jesus, being persecuted, right? But lots of other passages of Scripture contradict that. Many, many, many other passages. Eternal life is by faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. All right? Anybody and everybody who believes in Jesus Christ receives eternal life. That's Jesus' promise. It's God's promise. And Jesus says it over and over and over and over and over in the Gospel of John. So how do we understand Romans 8, 17? Well, we've already seen how. It's not t- there is talking here about children, being children of God, but that's, that is also because... You have to be a child to be an heir, all right? At least when you become an heir, you also become a child. But how do you become an heir? Well, one way here we see in Romans 8 is by joining, partnering, participating with Christ in his suffering. And when we do that, then yes, we are adopted and we receive the glory and the inheritance of being an adopted heir of God, just as Jesus did. So what we're seeing here is that adoption is not about being becoming a child. 
but rather as a child being named as an heir. It's all about inheritance and glory and, and, and God recognizing us in front of the entire world as his own, as someone who has partnered with him, worked with him, brought him honor and praise as one of his children. All right? And that idea really helps clear up all sorts of other passages in the Bible about adoption. I invite you, as you're studying through Scripture and you come across various passages about adoption, there's another one, for example— in, uh, in Romans 9, and I talk about that in my book, The Rejustification of God, if you, if you want to pick up that book. I talk about the concept of adoption there a little bit more as well. Uh, we have another reference, for example, in Galatians 4, 5, where Paul talks about this, uh, the difference between being a son and being an heir, okay? And uh, another uh, important text in Ephesians 1, 5, all of the privileges and blessings that uh, God gives to those who are heirs, his heirs, all right? And it's all related to inheritance as well. Anyway, there's lots of other passages, but I think that this is going to really help you understand various passages which talk about adoption in the Bible. Remember, we do not get adopted by God through faith in Jesus Christ. Yes, we are born again. We, we, we become part of God's family. We become a child of God by faith alone in Jesus Christ. But as we live as part of his family, as we suffer with Jesus, as we live faithfully and obediently to Jesus and to God, we bring honor and glory to our family and to God. And in response, God honors and glorifies us through adoption by naming us as his heir. I really think this concept is going to help you understand these passages on adoption. And uh, please, if, if it does, then uh, let me know on Facebook, through Twitter, uh, or by visiting my website, redeeminggod.com. I have a, a couple blog posts there about this. You can search Google for them to find them if you'd like. And uh, let me know if you have any other questions as well about this concept or any other passages that talk about adoption. We can talk about those as well. And look, if you do want to learn more about this, I do invite you to take my online course. The Gospel Dictionary looks at 52 keywords of the gospel. One of them... Just one is adoption. All right, and I, I do talk about some of the other texts that refer to adoption there. So uh, you can you can uh, learn more about that course by going, going to redeeminggod.com slash courses. And of course, if you're part of my online discipleship group, then you get to take that course for free. Uh, to join the online discipleship group, just go to redeeminggod.com slash join. All right. And look, hey, uh, don't forget, if you would like to help support this podcast and the, uh, what you're learning from me about Scripture, following Jesus, how to be the church, so many other concepts and topics that we discuss in this podcast, uh, would you please consider sending in a donation to help cover the cost? You can do it quickly and easily on your smartphone. Just send a text to PayPal, P-A-Y-P-A-L, or 729-725, and include two things. One, the amount you want to donate, just a number, 5, 10, 20, whatever and then the email address to send it to. Donate at redeeminggod.com. Now, I think that PayPal will send you a little confirmation email or something like that. I'm sorry, a confirmation text that you probably have to tap on and log in or something just to confirm um, that uh, this is what you want to do. But uh, if, if that's the way you'd like to support this podcast, I would really appreciate it. Thank you so much in advance, and thank you for listening. Uh, and I hope this lesson today helped you understand what the Bible means when it talks about adoption. Okay, we'll see you next week. 
Talk to you later. Bye.